Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, uh, welcome to another episode of Thoughts on Films, the podcast that thinks aloud on films in Malaysia and beyond. My name is Fikri, and today we're going to stay very much within the borders of Malaysia because we are going to take in a Malaysian film. But before we get to that, uh, just a brief introduction to our uh I guess you could say podcast co-host for today, Mr. Hafiz Rahman. Hello, Encik Hafiz. Hello, how are you, Mr. Vikri? I'm doing all right, thanks. How are you doing? Everything all right with you? I'm doing all right too. So, yeah, it's been it's been a while, right? It has been a while. I think the previous episode I did with you was something about uh, a Bong Joon-ho film called Memories of yeah. Murder. When yeah. Yeah, yeah, you you saw that some time ago, and we just recorded it on the fly, and that was good. We enjoyed that, but um, for some reason, we took a break all the way until now. Um, but I'm looking forward to today's session because today we are going to be talking about a Malaysian film called uh, Kickflip by Kairil M Bahar. Uh, it's just it's, it's just one of those films released. Um, fairly recently, and, and both of us ended up watching it separately, but then, you know, just chatting to you on WhatsApp, turns out you have seen it as well, so so we are going to be focusing on that film for today's episode. Uh, here's the brief synopsis, if you will, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the story is about Johan, played by Kairil M. Baha, uh, as a middle-aged, talented photographer who is forced to take an entry-level advertising job to support his pregnant wife, Katija, played by... Eva Emanina, who apparently is also his wife in real life. Uh, so, so that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And to be honest with you, when I saw uh, Katija, I was thinking, eh, the face is so familiar. Macam, rasa macam pernah tengok muka dia. Tapi kat mana? And I was thinking, trying to think, oh, what was the film I, I saw her in? And then I was reminded of Sanzaru which is a short film made some years ago by Adam Sinclair, if I'm not mistaken. And she was one of the characters in that one. And that was a memorable film. Um, always a big hit amongst my students when I share it with them. So, so it's good to see her in the film here as well. Um, and so in this case, uh, coming back to the story, uh, Johan, uh, our protagonist, is uh, forced to take this job after his dream of starting his own photography company shatters thanks to a cheating business partner. Hafiz. Terrible, yeah. eh? So bad, eh? So bad. <laughs> it is bad. However, good news. Because one day, uh, he came across a young skater, a skateboarder, named Ali, played by uh, Said Kodim. Um, and that starting point uh, of, of their friendship also became uh, an interesting... Uh, turn in events and and made the film what it is really uh, because we would discover a bit more about Johan his passions in the past and 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 how he would deal with the present so-called midlife crisis he would go through at that point in time so we'll get uh, through the plot and the story bit by bit um but before we get to the actual discussion itself there are some uh bits of of information i just want to share about this film uh it was originally filmed in the middle of 2018, which feels like such a long time ago, right? Officially three years ago, but we're looking at, what, two and a half years? Middle of 2018, right? So, such a long time ago. My goodness. Can you imagine a world when we're, when we're not living in, a, in, in, in an MCO or lockdown or SOPs and all that kind of stuff um, in the pre-COVID world? Um, but anyway, so uh, you can find it, ladies and gentlemen, on a number of streaming services, uh, on Mubi, which is where we saw the film, it has been made available for viewing since December 2020. It's also available on kinidia.com, uh, which is a relatively new streaming site. Uh, just got started, uh, I think, a few months ago, and and it's got some interesting films there as well. But I, I, I do. India. Not copy India. No, no. <laughs> that, that one is a different kind of site, unfortunately. <laughs> sounds familiar, right? Sounds, it all sounds uh, very, very familiar. Uh, it's just yeah. a little too familiar, but, but it's, yeah. it's all familiar in a good way. So, no worries, no worries. Um, I do need to point out, however, that as much as it was billed as a Malaysian streaming premiere on the movie platform in December 2020, I think, 
Uh, it was also selected and uh, streamed as a part of the Kota Kinabalu International Film Festival in September 2020. So, I don't know. I, how would you define these premieres and whatnot? I mean, I, I would look at uh, Kota Kinabalu International Film Festival as perhaps the, the Malaysian premiere in a way. Um, but yeah, I mean... It depends on, on how pedantic you want to be with that term. But nevertheless, it, the point is it, it was and has been available on a number of different uh, platforms. Um, so so you can check it out in your own sweet way. So officially, it is Kyril M. Bahas, Kai's uh, fifth feature film as a director. So it's made quite a number of these. Uh, following in the footsteps of Chipla, Relationship Status, Chua. Now, Chua is like a multi-director kind of thing. So he's one of, I think, four or five directors for that uh, film. And also Showdown the Movie, which is also available on movies if you fancy checking that one out. So that's uh, some basic facts and figures, if you will, about uh, the film. The film itself is, uh, in terms of the cast and crew, uh, we're looking at the writer, director, and editor, uh, Kai, Kai himself being the, the, main, the main man. Um, and I actually prepared the rundown for today's episode using an old rundown that I made for The Masseuse. Uh, and I'm, I'm pointing that out because uh, when it got to the cinematographer, I realized I didn't need to change the name. Uh, it was Tan Tek Z uh, who shot both films, um, along with, in this case, uh, Van Soma and Muhammad uh, Sashmar Omar. So on and so forth. Uh, Sashbar is also uh, one of the assistant directors, um, along with Amelia Chen. If you remember Hafiz, uh, Amelia, uh, she she was a terrible boss. <laughs> uh, second in command boss, right? Kind of, kind of second in command. But you know what? Yeah. Um, the second in command is is very much the first in command. Um, yeah, when yeah. it comes to being very very dictatorial, rude aggressive even <laughs> so, yeah. so that's uh but that was a great great performance there we'll, we'll get to to that in a short while um yeah so that's uh some of the key key names uh some of the other names we'll get to in a short while um but just very briefly looking at uh the list of performers who appeared in the film um i'm, I'm actually not so familiar with uh Said kodim who played ali the young skateboarder or the young skater and and I might, maybe it's his first uh, performing uh, role on screen, Kapaka. I'm not so sure. But the rest, you know, very familiar names, um, including uh, the couple, Francis and Lisa, played by Michael Chen and Anri Tu, uh, who I also believe are married uh, to each other. So, so I think that's quite interesting because we now, we now have two married couples appearing in this film, which is uh, fantastic to see. Um, and the supporting roles by again some very familiar names: um, Tuan Faisal, uh, Megat Sharizal, Shamin Othman, um, who I think also one of the directors for Chua, if I'm not mistaken. Farah Rani, Sidney Chan, who is is a well-regarded uh, filmmaker in his own right, and of course, uh, <laughs> Hassan Mutalib. I don't know about yeah. you, but if I say Hassan Mutalib, I cannot say. Hassan Muntalib without saying the Encik before that as well. I, I feel like that's the, the level of respect I have for that man. So it's, um, even if I'm, you know, sitting down having a conversation with him, it's, I, even if I'm referring to him, it's, it's always going to be at least Encik Hassan um, and, and not anything else. So I think other people refer to him as Cik Gu as well. So, so yeah. Um, so it's good to see him Sir there. Hassan? Do you ever call him Sir Hassan? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, although he very much, in this context at least, in the context of Malaysian cinema, um, very much deserved to be knighted for his his role as a as a writer, as as a film historian. One of the few. One of the few, actually. Um, so he's very important. But simply put, he's the man. You know what I mean? He has forgot. Yeah. He has forgotten more than I know. So I think um, we should cherish him. As much as possible. So yeah, so he's in the film. So that's fantastic. Uh, but I'm going to get started uh, with, our, uh, with our discussion with the first uh, question, if you will. Um, for Hafiz, I, I kind of want to know for you, um, what was the catalyst? What made you watch uh, Kickflip in the first place? 
So I watch it uh, at movie. But before that, I was a skateboarding fan, more of a fan rather than play or use skateboard as oh, yeah. my sports. Yeah, I actually was a big fan actually. But uh, like football, you can play football, but you cannot master it, right? So I. Oh I no! Speak play. for yourself. Yeah. I I was pretty good yeah. at football. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. But you know, at the time, you feel that there's there's professional side and there's the passion side, and then mm, yes, there's yes. the hobby side, right? True, so true. I never even made it into a hobby more of a sport that I like uh, I like to spectate rather than play mm-hmm. so I like the culture I like the the clothing of skateboard uh, the culture but I'm not much of a skater myself because I, I have skated before and uh, I fell a lot so mm. when I saw the, the title kickflip uh, I know nothing about it I tried to why the trailer on YouTube? So the trailer doesn't tell much. Just I thought it was a documentary, and some mm. kind of you can sense that the film is a indie film when it's so quiet and it's black and white. You know, it's something like a low budget certain indie vibe. You know, mm. and then. I try to see what's the skateboarding element in this because the trailer doesn't tell much, which is which is good, right? Mm. So I try to most mostly because the name kickflip, I know it's related to skateboard. So I try to watch the film um, on movie. So that's how I started to see how it's like the the film, how good it was and how how it was like before I watched Kickflip my brother used to be a skater not not a professional one just a, a real skater with a, a lot of skaters around Malaysia in the early 90s right so I grew up in this in those skate culture in Malaysia but mostly overseas culture right in mm. skateboarding because uh, we, we, I don't know we have still have it but used to we have X game Asia and S game in LA right the that's big, right the, yes the big time yeah the, I remember I think me. outside of uh, KLCC at the time yeah. um, this must have been in the early noughties but yeah. basically uh, the, the the whole X games culture was actually quite uh, prominent uh, even for me, I'm 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 not into that culture, but but because it is actually relatively prominent, you you become aware of it almost by second or by third hand um, interactions with other people who were very much into it. And I think there was such a big buzz that even at one point it got to the stage where there was like, uh, am I right in saying that X Games Asia was was hosted outside of KLCC? I mean, I'm just yeah. talking off the top of my head now, but. Or, or thinking of the top of my head right now, but um, but if I'm not mistaken, there was that uh, skate park um, with with a half pipe uh, installed there and whatnot. And I don't even know if I'm using the term half pipe correctly, but uh, it's there. Uh, I remember there was something yeah. there at KLCC, and it was related to skateboarding. Yeah, because skateboarding used to be like an underground sport, right? So when X Game was in Malaysia. Everyone acknowledge that the skate culture is not really underground anymore. It's mm. more like a like a sport, but extreme sport. Only like you gotta be good to play, it, right? It's, it's very hard. I tried it very hard. It's very hard. And, so and it's not easy. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, there was also one bit in the film that talked about how skateboarding is actually quite a good. Uh, metaphor for life you know how you fall you get back up again um, so in that yeah. regard I mean there's just much that we can learn and respect I guess you could say from that uh, movement or from that culture or subculture um, but coming back to the black and white cinematography you, you raised that earlier and, and you kind of wondered what the film was about you know it looked a bit like documentary um, yeah. for me I thought it was quite interesting because uh, I think there's meaning in the colour uh, we are looking at this film Partly, of course, as a skateboarding film, 
but also as a film that kind of looks at a guy going through a very difficult time. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's a, an idea I wrote down here in, in my notes. The black and white cinematography suggests a, a, a bleak world, perhaps, that the middle age is the middle ages of life. <laughs> it's just... I mean, it's, it's kind of like the dark ages or whatever, which I'm... You know, you're going through some things, you have some thoughts and considerations. So so we'll probably talk a bit more about that later on. But the point is, I, I think that um, it's there for two reasons. Number one is that the black and white cinematography uh, is, is meaningful in that narrative sense. But also at the same time, in a practical sense, um, it's easier to do uh, all sorts of color correction or color balancing stuff uh if if you shoot in black and white compared to if you shoot in full color for instance so i don't know whether that's a part of the discussion um but i think uh in, you know when it comes to making independent films on a shoestring budget kapaka i don't i don't know how much money went into this but i i do think that this is a kind of film that um basically if if there's an opportunity to keep the cost down uh, i think um uh, Kai and and the producer, uh, what's the name of the producer? Uh, A Samad Hassan. Uh, they they will consider how they can kind of reduce uh, the financial outlay. So I think maybe that's a part of the discussion as well. So so that's I mean that's something that stands out for those reasons. Um, I mean com- coming back to the the, the middle age bit uh, for a bit really because uh, Hafiz, you are some years younger than me. Um, yeah. I kind of want to know that you've seen the film. Yeah, you, you have an understanding of the skateboarding culture um, in, in that regard. But the film is also about a guy going through a difficult moment or a difficult period in his life. What are your thoughts on, on this film? Because in a way, you're not directly in the middle age group of sorts. So uh, does, does that kind of make it difficult for you to relate to it? Or is it something that even though you are not in that target audience maybe or not um, as a person uh, in, in the same age group as uh, Johan, our protagonist in the film, um, does it mean that you can still relate to it? What, what, are, what are we looking at here? Yeah, it's true that I'm not yet involved in, the, in those certain age, right? But I'm getting there. So I have this pleasure on the way in getting there. That's how I can relate much about the crisis of the character Johan mm. and with me. So I don't have a, my own family yet, so nor a big responsibility or wife or anything like that. But still, I can feel the, the pressure because I'm near, nearly there. Not yet there, but nearly there. Mm. The pressure is heating up. So I can relate about the money slash like work and mm. then passion in the film right so there's always something better to do out there you know that's why i feel between me and the film i can sense that when i'm that age if i'm i don't achieve something i will feel pressure like johan not exactly like johan but i can feel the midlife crisis is going to get me there Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm so sorry to hear about that Hafiz. Are you okay bro? <laughs> yeah alright But you can relate to that That's how I relate to the film The main character actually. Yeah true true I mean in, in many ways I mean it's, it's a lot more universal Than you would think it to be Of course I mean Pressures related yeah. to um, I mean I mean, financial issues is one thing But but I think on, on the other hand We also have uh, issues related to being yourself do you know what I mean? Yep, because yep. in the film, it's like in a lot of different ways, he he is not being himself or he could not be himself. He has to prioritize other factors, other people perhaps, or, or other um, elements. But when it comes to skateboarding, uh, that that is where you start to see start to see him come alive. You know, for the lack of a better term. Um, what about what about if let's say he wasn't duped by his friend, right? in the camera camera photography business right do you think he's he's doing he's doing business in the photography world is it his passion if it wasn't duped by his friend i i think that was definitely his passion um on on some level it's not to say that he he can only have one or two passions of course he can have a, quite a number of different passions or interests and and whatnot 
Um, but in the context of the photography business, I would suggest that it would have been a good thing that would have worked out for him because, in my opinion, uh, and, and with some experience in this, if you're really interested or passionate about something, even when you do it as a job, it doesn't really feel as much of a job. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, like, makes like sense. You, if you're editing and you love editing, and the thing that I, I personally can get lost in is the editing Sometimes you edit and edit and edit and then suddenly you think, eh, dah pukul 6 pagi dah. <laughs> it's just time goes by very quickly. You don't even notice it. So I, I would imagine that any business you do is going to be difficult, especially if it's start something that you're starting up uh, on your own or even in this case with a, a friend or a partner. But um, but because it is something you have an an, an investment in on an emotional level, uh, you are interested in it, you are passionate about it. I think it might have been a little easier um, in terms of you know dealing with the stresses that come with it. Same as Kickflip, uh, it's it's uh, it's Mr. Kyril own project, right? Same as his own, metaphorically speaking, his own photography, his his own. Business. Yeah, this is something we, we need to kind of uh, discuss just very briefly because Kai in real life had his own, um, I don't know what, I don't, I don't know whether it's still around, uh, but it's something called Campsetra. Campsetra is actually like a website that allows you to buy stuff from China, film filmmaking equipment from China. Um in, in, in an easier and more accessible way. So basically, if you you know you have your cameras, can and then you have the equipment, the the the, the focus pulling rig or whatever it is lah, um, uh, and all this kind of stuff, landscape That sometimes just one or two bits here and there. Kadang-kadang ada yang rosak, ada yang hilang or you just might want to get some spares in and whatnot. So it's just this one or two things that you might need every once in a while, and. If you want to buy the original version, they can actually be very expensive, right? Just as, just a spare battery for for a camera, for instance, can can be quite expensive, lah. And these are quite important things in their own way. It's a small thing, but the thing in in filmmaking is a small things that can eat up a lot of time. Kalau tiba-tiba battery habis kan, macam oh no, yeah. it's just that one thing. But that one thing can delay you by a few hours. So Camsetra, apa uh, OEM item, like OEM products. Yes, that's right. So, in in this case, uh, Camsetra, uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, and if I remember correctly, um, it allows you to kind of access the Chinese market, which has a lot of the same uh, stuff, but it is made, of course, uh, at a lower cost and therefore also available uh, for a lower price. And if, if you don't know the market, then of course it's difficult for you to access it. But I think his endeavor was uh, something that he started as a way of making it easier for Malaysians to uh, get in on the game, so to speak. So, so I th- that's the thing. So that's what I remember of that. Uh, apologies, Kai, if I if I got the details wrong uh, here and there. But the point is, I think I tried to access the website again for Camp Cetera in preparation for for this episode. And uh, the the website or uh, the URL appears to not be working. So, and and the Facebook page, I think it was last updated a few years ago. So much time I look at this thing and I think, okay, maybe on some level, uh, and get it back to the point. Uh, the 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 failure of the or the so called failure of the photography business for Johan in the film is in a way a reflection of how. Maybe Cam Satara didn't appear to work out or to work out for uh, Kai in real life as well. So, so that's something that I think we can kind of connect. You know how how uh, art imitates life in a way. So basically, King Flip is Mr. Carol Embaha biopic. <laughs> I don't know about biopic. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. sure there are elements here and there, but I don't know biopic. Ooh. And this is the thing. I mean, later on, we'll get a lot deeper into this, but all his films have something from himself, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Which is not to say that I know him all that well, but but there's a, a, a great degree of sincerity about 
all his films and they're all very relevant. They tap into the, the, the zeitgeist or the spirit of times uh, for people of his context, uh, socioeconomic, political, social whatever context. And um, you, you can find his films to be very relatable, uh, fairly realistic. And, and on that note, um, yeah, there's going to be a bit of himself in, 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 all his films, except for Showdown, we we'll probably get to that a bit more in a short in, in a short while as well. Showdown feels like a bit strange for some reason, but uh, I I don't know what what uh, um what happened there. But but the majority of his films, like um, uh, Chipla, Relationship Status, Chua, and uh, now Kickflip, I I do feel like there's a strong element uh, of the real life um in there from at least from his perspective. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because he shared a lot about his experience uh, during interviews, right? interviews or his blogs, and he tells a lot, much of it, much of it uh, from his experience, especially working in the advertising agency, um, mm. selling photography equipment, mm. and then skateboarding. If you see the intro of Kickflip, it's literally him. In the old, in a in an old VCR kind of video, right? Yes, young, that's right. Young version of him. It seems it seems like it. Yeah, I think for some reason he has uh, kept all this uh, footage, which is fantastic. You know, it's always good to kind of have some record um, of of periods of your life in that way, uh, and it's fantastic to see how he's interacting with them. In, in a creative sense as well. Uh, on, on that note, I need to point out how in some, some of the earlier footage you see on screen, I think some of them were also taken from Chipla, which is uh, his first feature film. Uh, and and I, I quite like that. When I saw it a bit, it's like, oh, okay, that's in there. And so I think that's great there in its own way. Um, yeah, fantastic. Uh, just, just one more point before we move on to the next uh, part of this discussion. He also recently posted on Facebook because he wanted to find out, you know, uh, from from other people, what the MCO, the Malay, the Movement Control Order, uh, standard operating procedures would be like for filmmakers. You know, are filmmakers allowed to shoot? Kalau tak boleh, okay, fine. But kalau boleh, what 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 should we do and, and all this kind of stuff? Um, and you know, people responded to to that post, and then he he also in one of his replies to the comments he, he mentioned that some of the cameras in the film had already been sold to make money <laughs> so much um, so it's uh, it's just so frustrating to see how at least in this way like, you know it's frustrating to see how um you know the, the film is a, is a way of art imitating life but then life is funny in its way because uh, then we can see an example of how life imitates art uh, as well so it's life imitating art imitating life if that makes sense yeah. vice versa and vice versa so yeah it's all uh, connected in there um, so maybe the problem here is the film in in the film he should have made himself as a rich character so in real life pun dia jadi kaya juga lah kot and his life sangat menarik lah sampai dia boleh buat a lot of film right compared to our life uh, well I don't know Hafiz are you okay bro <laughs> Okay. We all have our own journeys. It's all good. Um, we'll probably talk a bit more about that later on. Um, after after this uh, podcast is over, Kapika. Um, you did touch on the skateboarding culture, and I kind of want to talk about that a bit before we take a short break. Um, I to be honest, yeah, I I don't know enough about this. Um, but I I find it intriguing that you you were into the skateboarding culture. You described yeah. earlier skateboard skateboarding and whatnot uh you you call them a skater is it a skater or skateboarder just just for me to know so most of the time they call it unofficially they call it skater i see skater is too general like too general you can call it ice skater as a skater you call rollerblade rollerblade rollerblader or rollerblade (laughs) just uh, just a roller (laughs) yeah just a roller right yeah no if you say and roller are the 90s kids kind of play toy something like that right 
dibesarkan by this extreme sport at home hmm. like siapa yang lain 90s mesti tahu punya uh, you must have a roller skate right at least during that time hmm. so I think a lot of Malaysian can relate to that about roller blade but skateboard not a lot of people can relate because not because it's very dangerous right compared to skateboard eh, compared to roller, roller skate so a lot of parents was discouraging their their children playing skateboard at the same time hmm. there's a lot of passion underground building there hmm. rebellious right delinquent something like that related to skateboard Hmm. So, yeah, it's a lot of things, but I was born and raised by this skate culture, especially my brother. Hmm. So, afterwards, there, we have these video games, right? And a lot of games relate to skateboarding, especially the Tony Hawk games. Mm-hmm. And we, we can't play as pro as them in the real life. So... We played in the fantasy world, whereas skateboard you can do a lot of tricks. Meanwhile, you can you can't do an an ollie or jump in the real life, but you can do like 100 tricks in a row in the game. So those <laughs> games make us really love skateboarding as a fantasy, something like that. Okay. Fair enough. I, I do remember those games. Um, I, did, I didn't really get into them because at that time, what I had was the Nintendo 64 and video games for that, the cartridge, uh, it was quite expensive. So I really had to pick and choose the games I really wanted to buy. Um, and I never got into, I think, what did they have? 1080 snowboard um, or something like that. Um, so I, I never got into those games itself. Um, and I never got into that culture, perhaps as a result of that. So, so maybe that's my loss there, but... But no worries, all is good. Um, I certainly go into Back to the Future, which uh, he mentioned in an interview he did with Amirul Rosli of Juice. Uh, we'll share the link in our show notes later. He mentioned being inspired by Marty McFly from Back to the Future. And and he even had or has a skateboard company called uh, Scarlet Skateboards. So, you know, basically this is a man who knows the ins and outs of, of skateboarding. Um, so that's something that, you know, in a way, yeah, the film as a whole, perhaps we can see that as a passion project as well. So that's fantastic. Uh, that's it for, for this part of the discussion or the episode for now. We're going to take a short break uh, and, and we're going to come back uh, right after this. So don't go anywhere. So, Johan, right? You can call me Joe. Why are you applying for this job? My wife and I, Katija, she just got pregnant. So what's no filter photography? Oh, it was a photography business I started up a while back. So why are you here? It didn't work out. Right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, we are back with the second part of today's episode, looking at the film Kickflip. Uh, by Kai Bahar. Um, next topic we're going to talk about uh, with regards to the film. Uh, the header I put in this uh, rundown is social cultural issues. Uh, how about that, right? So the film basically uh, is is a film that works with what he's familiar with. So we're, we're looking at um, groups of people who are uh, familiar with uh, speaking English who are very familiar with Western pop culture, right? Maybe kind of middle class kapaka um, in terms of their, uh, you know, uh, social cultural leanings and such. Um, and I find this quite interesting because uh, this is actually a, a big part of his previous films. Um, with again, with the exception of Showdown. Uh, so, but we, but we can maybe talk about that maybe later on kapaka. Uh, but in this context, it's actually very, very open. It's very explicit. So him being hired at that advertising agency, for instance, um, I think a big part of, of his hiring, as, as was mentioned in the film, is because he is Malay and slash or can speak Malay, which I thought was... I thought it was interesting. I, I, I don't know how... 
prevalent this is um in, in as in macam orang yang dapat kerja um dalam konteks yang not really particularly Malay slash bumi putra ke apa ke tapi dia dapat kerja sebab dia bumi putra atau Malay ke apa ke is this I don't know asking you because I, I would imagine that you are more familiar with this context is this something that is um is is this a thing yeah I think it's actually a thing but I don't know much because I haven't I haven't had any personal experience about it mm. but it's it's true this thing still going on behind the scene especially when a company like especially like a chinese company they prefer or like a international business company right they prefer a chinese or someone who can speak mandarin it's like a mm. an, an advantage yeah. to the person who can take their business to the next level but mostly because they can interact with chinese customer Yeah, But I mean, if you're Malay, yeah, that's the thing. Kalau macam yang what you mentioned earlier uh, about Mandarin speakers, kah, uh, and whatnot, that one I I'm aware of. But the 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 context we're seeing or the example we're seeing from the film, that one I'm not so aware of. Do you know what I mean? I, I'm I'm not aware of so because of this Malay attract more Malay. I don't know because I've never heard about it, this one before. Hmm. Yeah, maybe it's just a uh, just to keep the plot. Moving right in the film, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe. I mean, again, we we are speaking from a, a, a the limited perspectives we do have. We know some things, yeah. but then there are some things we are not as aware of, and this is one of those areas. Um, ladies and gentlemen, if you fancy getting in touch with us to enlighten us further on this subject matter, um, as ever, our email is mail at thoughtsonfilms.com or you can just drop a comment uh, somewhere on Facebook or on uh, our website, and. Yeah, we're we're happy to be enlightened on that front. Um, so yeah, but but nevertheless, um, this is this is the context we're working with. Um, in in the past, looking at his previous films, uh, there there is a, a strong prevalence of uh, English speaking uh, Malaysians and whatnot, and I think that was something that was not as well noted or not as well celebrated because a lot of people will speak of. Malaysian films as kalau filem Melayu that's a Malaysian film and whatnot. Um, but you know Malaysian films featuring Malaysian performers speaking English or, or primarily speaking English that almost always never gets in that discussion somehow so so in the past I tried to do this thing uh, I call it the Malaysian urban wave <laughs> which is kind of cringeworthy but but that's how I saw it you know because there were a, a number of films created in that context which um, I think we mentioned earlier uh, Kai's films like uh, Relationship Status Chipla Chua but then there were also quite a number of others um, like the Joshua Tapes um Scully, uh, Take Me to Dinner uh, by Gavin Yap. Um, so quite a number of uh, films that, that feature um, a small but significant, a relatively small but but uh, in my eyes a significant sub-segment of, of Malaysian society. So so yeah, so I mean, I, I, I would kind of put that in, in I, would, I would kind of put this film in that context as well. Uh, but But it's a mix as well because, you know, Um, you do see many languages, for instance, uh, being featured here. Uh, so it's not just English all the way, Gapaka. Um, so, I, yeah. Sorry. Remember, Yasmin Ahmad Films uh, used to, they, she used to give her film term as Manglish, right? Mandarin, English, Malay, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is that term, Manglish. Um, yeah. But I've often thought as Manglish as Malaysian English. Or as a yeah. friend, as as uh, uh, a friend of mine put it, mangled English because <laughs> because you can't speak yeah. English properly, gak pakai kononnya lah. So yeah, so that was near. But uh, I didn't I didn't know of that definition. That's that's actually a good point. Yeah, I mean we always will have that mixture, lah kan? Uh, even now yeah. in 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 this episode, we are using English primarily, but then there's um, a, a fair amount of uh, BM Basa Malaysia that comes into the the mix juga lah. So. So yeah. So English is like the they call it the lingua franca, right? The we call it international language, right? But now they call it lingua franca, right? Yeah, lingua you know, lingua franca language. is just is I mean it's just a term to note how it is like the main language used. But even lingua yeah. franca, 
that's Latin. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, or yeah, yeah, correct. French. I think Latin. It's Latin, right? I think no. Latin. Yeah, yeah it's Latin. Yeah. So I mean, that kind of just denotes how how kind of mixed up everything really is. You know, everything always yeah. will come from somewhere or something. So so that I just I just you know think that this is worth pointing out. Sorry, Hafiz, you and want to say even, something? Even even Kai English is English dialect is sounds fancy, right? Because it's it's born and ra- it's raised in the British culture of English, right? His dialect are different from our dialect of English, right? Yeah, there, yes. there is that difference. I don't. I mean, Kai personally, I don't know for sure um, if he was born in England, but mm-hmm. as far as I know, he did spend a significant period of his life there. Um, maybe went to school there or went to university there. I can't really yeah, remember. Yeah, that's true. I, I can vouch for that because he, he had an interview where he told his experience when he was uh, in the school and the, in the university where he got some racism, uh, racism problem during his time in England. But mm. he doesn't, he doesn't aware of racism at that time. He just know he's Asian, and he told in one interview, he's like people are confused with his skin because you are not Japanese, you're not Korean, <laughs> but you are a little bit in the middle. What are you? So, <laughs> are when, yeah, when we he told his Malaysian and a lot of British people in like his colleague in, in the class like West Malaysia. So they they find it a little bit weird because it's not Caucasian at the set, at, at the time in the UK. Mm. Yeah, but that makes him more acknowledged afterwards about the differential of Asian in UK. Mm. Still, he has he learned a lot because he was educated in UK, right? So I think he's cultural references in film where you remember there's a part where this well, another another couple in the film right mm. uh, in the dinner scenes at the, at the restaurant yes yes uh, you, you 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 the friend asked so so Johan you're living in UK right uh, live uh, study in UK right I said yes and then what football club you support. So this is related to him, right? Mm. And he's just menganjing orang tu just say Luton Town, right? Luton, something like that. Oh, he said, uh, no, 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 not Luton. He said, Barnsley uh, or something like that. He said, Barnet. Barnet. Uh, so, so the thing with Barnet, the thing with Barnet is, it's actually a football club. I think based, if not in London, then just slightly outside of London. And, there's a, there's a point here because the guy suggested, oh, you are in London, kan? Therefore, you must, you look like an Arsenal fan, kan? And then he, uh, yeah. and when the guy said Arsenal, um, Kai said Barnett. And, <laughs> and actually, there's, there's, there's a key connection here because if I'm not mistaken, now that you mentioned it, off the top of my head now, if I'm not mistaken, Arsenal and Barnett, uh, they had historically a very close relationship and it got to the stage where, uh, for quite a number of years, the first game of Arsenal's preseason is almost always played at Barnet. So it's it's you know you start in the preseason, it's a way of getting the team together, introducing the players, etc. But the first game nowadays is actually very commercial, and then you see a lot of these teams flying all over the world um, in a pre-COVID uh, pandemic world, of course flying all over the world to other parts of the, of the world, other parts of the country, to play friendlies against uh, fairly glamorous teams. And now even you have the Emirates Cup, am I right? There's a pre-season yeah, tournament, right. Emirates Cup. Yeah. So you have that. Emirates so it's... Cup, Audi Cup. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Audi Cup. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, and the ICC Cup, International Champions Cup, something oh, like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness, so many of these things. Anyways, yeah. the point is, so pre the day, the, the current situation of, teams, glamorous teams, taking part in all these glamorous competitions against other glamorous teams. Arsenal, and they might still do this nowadays, I, I don't know for sure, but Arsenal would kickstart their pre-season um, season, if you will, against a local team in London. And I think that team is Barnett. So there's that close connection. And, and they would previously also used to loan their players there, Kapaka. 
So do you think Kai Kyrill intentionally put Barnett because of Arsenal or just just a counter another local you know what? club? It has to be because it can't it can't be. Now that I think about it, he could have gone with any other team just to bamboozle. Mm. Um, what's the name of the character? Francis, kan? So, Johan uh-huh. in, in the film, uh, he could have gone with any other team just to bamboozle or to make Francis look a little bit silly, kan? Um, uh-huh. But Barnett uh, uh-huh. is a pretty obscure team. Um, yeah. So, you you will only mention it in this context if you know that context. So uh-huh. So, it's got to be deliberate. So, I think... That might be the reason, but again, ladies and gentlemen, I could be mistaken, and it might I'm, I might just be talking, you know, out of my ass here because <laughs> I could it could be that you know somebody will will email us now and let us know actually it's not Barnett it's Brentford because I I can't I might be wrong yes. about that, but I do no, no, remember it's, it's Barnett I, I remember it's Barnett yeah no no the point is I mean in real life the relationship that Arsenal uh, has with that team it could be that Arsenal had uh, it with another small. Uh, not so well-known team. It's not Barnett, but uh, I'm. But you know, off the top of my head right now, my instinct is to say that this is the context uh, as I'm aware of it. So, so I think that that is. Um, how did we get to talking about that? <laughs> that I mean, that's 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 what that's what uh, I think about it right now. So yeah, quite deliberate, I would say. Yeah, where are we now? <laughs> because the Barnet yeah, thing is not in the talking, notes. Talking about Barnet, let's say it's a correct team related to Arsenal, right? Hmm. So it's like Man United and the Salford City, right? Something like that? Uh, no, that one is a different no. story because uh, Salford City for now is a team that uh, was uh, that is owned by a number of very well-known Manchester United players. So, so there is the connection in terms of well-known people from Manchester United are connected to well-known people from Salford City, but so the histo- but the like historical association between Salford and Manchester United in terms of the football teams, I think the historical connection is not not quite there, not quite in the same way. Macham, the start of every preseason, Man United will play against uh, Salford. Not um, their sparring partner, right? Not quite, yeah. I mean, there's a team that Man United had that kind of relationship with or, or still do have. Altrincham, um, I'm tempted to say. Macclesfield? No, not Macclesfield. Uh, I'm I'm so tempted to say Altrincham, but I, I could be mistaken. Accrington Stanley? I'm just naming teams now. <laughs> just, um, again, talking out of, out of our asses, ladies and gentlemen, is, is what we do. Uh, I think we do it fairly well, but but in order to avoid um, varying too far off the course, uh, I'm being misled here by by the Tottenham fan that is uh, Mr. Hafiz. Um, so so we yeah we talk about the his influential influence on UK born and educated in UK. That's right. Yeah, yeah. let's get back on track. Yeah. <laughs> let's get back on track. Um, yeah. So da, 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 da. where are we now? Yeah, influence. So, so I think in that context, yeah, there's there's definitely um, uh, a connection to to that you know the 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 local Malaysian who is also very familiar with uh, global pop culture and all that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And on that note, I mean, get, getting to the rest of of uh, Kai's films, I, I just want to ask you. I mean, you have now seen the film. Is this the first film from Kai that you have seen? Yeah, this is my first film that I watched. Is um, from Mr. Kyrie. Hmm. Uh, I haven't I haven't seen his previous previous one like Showdown. Uh, is it Showdown more indie or like mainstream? The Showdown is. Um, I I can safely say it's definitely not indie. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it's very very. Much um, budget. Is. I mean, putting aside the budget and whatnot, it's it's just I think uh, a film that was uh, made primarily to promote the the TV show or the TV series. Uh, it's it's a reality competition called Showdown as well. Um, so I think the the starting point for that film um, came from from other people lah, not not so much from. Uh, Kai himself. I, I, again, 
I, I don't know, ladies and gentlemen, I could be mistaken. Kai, if, if, if I'm wrong about this, feel free to correct me. But, but we, I am pointing it out in a way because Showdown as a film, it jars a little bit with a lot of his other films. Um, which is not to say that apa, um, it's bad, because that's not the, the point I'm making here. It's just that much, um, his previous films... Um, He's, he's been making films for quite a number of years, ladies and gentlemen. And the, the themes and, topi- and, and topics, in, in my opinion, they always tackle issues that are relatable um, in, in, so, in, 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 in so many ways. Like, macam, if, if, if you watch Nicotine, uh, it's, it's about addiction. Chipla, it's about piracy. Some like it white. Um, it's, we, all, uh, we, we all can relate to piracy, right? We have that, that particular time. Oh, true. But to actually make a film about piracy, faham tak? You know, people don't yeah. do that. Yeah. <laughs> At least not as far as always, I'm aware. Oh, oh. Always don't, don't talk about that topic, right? Everyone be hush-hush. Yeah, it's always that. I think that there, there were some films made. I, I now recall a Malaysian-Chinese film made about a DVD seller. What is the title? Mm. Is it the DVD? <laughs> just, I can't remember. I can't now. remember, but I, I, I used to hear that, that's those kind of film, Chinese DVD, Malaysian film, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in, in this case, the, the Malaysian Chinese film is about that context. Um, I, I might be mistaken here, but, but that's the only other film off the top of my head that I can kind of recall as being focused primarily about the issue of piracy or is one of the main themes. Kalau film lain, macam dia ada macam just on the sidelines lah. Macam yeah. just a character selling pirated DVDs. Yeah, just one or two things like that. But to focus on that theme and that issue, something that a lot of people know about and can relate to. I mean, these are the kind of things that um, that Kai, Kai would make. So I, I, I would see in Chipla, for instance, you know, that sincerity um, some like it white, which is to do with uh, racial, uh, I think it's racism or racial relations. So some like it white is like, I think it's something to do with coffee in the sense that um, some people like white coffee. But then it's also, if I recall, remember uh, correctly, lah, um, it's also about some people preferring um, white uh, or Caucasian partners and whatnot. So... So it's, it's about that, you know. If you're familiar with Wong Fu Productions, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's like uh, it's like Yellow Fever. Eh? Yellow Fever, the title of the film. They made a film about that as well. Um, the Wong Fu boys basically asked the question, why do... Is it why do guy, why do white guys like Asian girls? Or why do Asian girls like white guys? I think it's why do... Why do white guys like Asian girls? I think that's the that's that's the focus of that film, if I remember correctly. So that, that again, something that for some people it is relatable. Um, also about relationships, much like relationship status, um, which has elements of uh, social media or Facebook inside it. Chua also, I can't, I can't remember which segment he he filmed or, or directed, but Chua as a whole is also a fairly relatable film. Um, Mast, which is a short film that looks at crime fighting, uh, that was based on a political uh, on a politician making a statement about how martial arts practitioners should step up to protect the nation from the wave of crime or, or criminal at the time. Um, so this is you know I mean macam film film dia and including kid flip. There's always that that uh, context in real life in which it is rooted. You can always identify something about that that people can relate to on a day-to-day level. And coming back to the point here, Showdown doesn't really feel like that. Showdown tak rasa macam, um, it says on the poster, a Kai Baha flick, but it doesn't really feel like a Kai Baha flick, you know. Kick flick. Kick flick is a Kai Baha flick. Absolutely. I mean, in my sepak, opinion. Kick flick sepak pusing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, if that's what you want to put it. <laughs> if that's how you want to translate it. Is that how you would translate it? No. <laughs> because we turn out to be ugly in Malay. Mm. Anyway, so so in that context, yeah. Um, so there are maybe one or two films that he has made that doesn't quite fit the motif. But, I mean, for in, in, in your case, uh, in the context of you having seen only this film, I can say that at least based on my opinion and based on what I remember... Um, Kickflip is very much uh, a Kai Baha flick. So if you like Kickflip, you should make the effort to check out some of his uh, previous films as well. Hmm. All right. 
Check it out. Hey, check out Chipla. That... No, check out Chipla before I forget. Because now I, I noted down in my notes, Chipla also featured a, a main character which is also played by Kai. Um, the main character's name is Joe, <laughs> which and in oh. uh, Kickflip, uh, the main character's name which is played by Kai, the main character's name is Johan. So <laughs> I just I just okay, you want someone with Have they grown up? Same, <laughs> same, same universe, right? Same universe, exactly. Yeah. That's fantastic. Do you think that? Do you think that maybe, um, maybe I, I could be wrong, but maybe Shodan was a doesn't up to his taste or not his touch, right? Not not his kind of flick, but it says his flick, right? It says Kyril Embaha flick, but maybe do you think that Shodan is kind of like a failure to for him that he make. And back to he go he went back to the indie genre. I don't know. Ah, that's that's very difficult for me to say because that would m- mean I have to assume I know a lot of things. What I can say, I think, is that Showdown is actually one of these films that's very commercial, and mm. it is a film made for mainstream release in the cinemas and and on DVDs, kapaka, and. Mm. So that's the context because you have to bear in mind a lot of, of the previous films I've mentioned. I think Relationship Status was in cinemas, Chua as well, but I think they were only in, in international screens at GSE. And, you know, Ch- Chua, Chua had, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Chua was uh, screened by TGV, but only by, but only by TGV, kot, if I'm not mistaken. Either TGV or, or GSE. Tapi dia, macam they had that special deal where you can only watch Chua at one cinema. And Relationship Status, I think it was released uh, on uh, GSE's international screens. Um, mm-hmm. Which is, again, a very limited, uh, limited. space for independent yeah. films. Lah. So, so it's, it's, it's not most of his films, and perhaps even Kickflip, to be released in cinemas, I I don't know whether that was uh, the the initial intention. Maybe Kickflip is meant to be released in cinemas, but then because of the pandemic, now it's it's released on movie and uh, Kinidia. Do you think that if Kickflip was re- was released in the cinema, it will gain a lot of attention? Um, initially maybe not, but over time, word of mouth, I think it it can grow and and at least have uh, maybe. Maybe three, four weeks in the cinema before um, the run stops. Uh, I mean, it's so difficult, of course, to to assume or, or to judge these things. Yeah. But but in my opinion, I think it is a good film, a uh, very good film in so many ways, and it is something that is also quite relatable to a lot of films. And I, I know I mentioned earlier about you know English speaking middle class couple, but it's not to say that this film is only for people in TTDI lah. <laughs> Yeah. It's yeah. it's for people outside of TTDI as well. <laughs> for for a local film, right? Uh, it's not really a romantic depicted kind of uh, romance between husband and wife, right? Like a like a romantic note. It's more realistic, like a grounded between relationship between him and his and her and his wife, right? Not a lot of drama around it. It's more realistic about life, about growing up, about doing the right thing. More compared to normal drama between husband and wife. Mm. Do you think so? I, I would say so. I would say so. Yeah. I mean, it's it is. These are these are all much like characters style. They're not caricatures. They, I mean. People like uh, what's the name of the wife, Katija, for instance. You know, um, more of a supporting character, but a character all the same. A character in the sense that you can see the logic, you can see where they're coming from. You know, when they are happy, you can see why. When they are upset, you can see why. Everything is um, logical, is clear cut, is realistic. So I, I think in that regard, I will say that um, the characters and their relationships uh, to to one another, um, it is something that I would I would say as realistic. Yeah. Do you, what you don't like about the film? Any complaint? You know what? I, I don't know. Off the top of my head, if, if I try to recall, uh, I saw the film, I think, um, uh, is it a few days ago? Um, 
I oh. I don't recall every single scene ke ke, but but even in my notes now there's there's nothing really bad about it. Yeah. I mean everything I I like I like the setup, I like the conflict, I like the the ending, I like the the bits in the middle. Um I like the cameos by by all these people that in some cases macam like I said lah Encik Hassan I know fairly well in other cases I've only met on a few occasions but always good to see someone like um uh Faizal and and Megat you know and macam it feels like macam it's it's not a Malaysian independent film kalau tak ada Megat Sharizal lah you know <laughs> it's like it's not a it's not a Kai Bahar film kalau tak ada Gavin Yap <laughs> so you see him there macam just having that that one single shot or scene very brief moment in the film but but they're there so it's it's i enjoy that um don't, i enjoy the music yeah it's all good you don't you think about the character jason his the his boss right is a bit a little bit too much for to be it's funny right he's, he's funny guy mm. funny boss but a little bit more exaggerated asshole kind of in the film right It's a bit, a bit caricature, but it's a bit cartoonish. But it's fun. It's it's fun stuff. But it's, it's a bit, little bit exaggerated right? as a and and like an asshole boss. Hmm. I th- this is the thing. I agree with you. There is some there's some exaggeration there. Yeah. But I think that is kind of needed in a way to kind of distinguish. So you have, uh, what's yeah. the name? What's the name of the Amelia Chan's character? Let me look at my notes again. So the. So we're talking here about the character of Jason, um, which yeah. is uh, portrayed by Ash Nair, and Cynthia, uh, portrayed by Emilia Chan. So in the film, they are the like the bosses, life you will, of uh, Johan in at the advertising agency. Um, I think there is some degree of exaggeration uh, from both characters, but it's also kind of needed to kind of just hammer home the difference in their characters that they are, in a way. Um, cut from the same cloth like both are very tough people but there is also a need to kind of make them separate they can't be the same you know they can't be tough yeah. in the same way so yeah. they, they had to right. be you know, so much um the character of jason is quite tough but also quite apa? <coughs> tough quite in, in in macam it's quite strange in a way macam he's, he's actually also very open he's very the macam understanding apa ke um You know, yeah. he asks his questions, and then Johan starts to answer. Said, "Nope, that's not what I'm looking for. No, why are you here? Uh, what what are you what do you want to do here? Because like, he he's always cutting to the chase. You know, he's getting more direct yeah. to the thing that he really wants. And and I th- I, I find that um I I think that's alright. Um, some exaggeration, but perhaps on on some level, somewhat necessary to kind of portray the distinction between this character and other characters in the film. Yeah." Jason guy, the, the Jason character looks like a lot of energy in the film, right? <laughs> That's one energy. way of putting it. Maybe he was of... he was already drinking the Tongkat Ali. Um, yeah, the Herba Kita. The Herba Kita. <laughs> yeah. A lot of it, right? Of it. Too much, too much caffeine in 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 your blood. Oh goodness! I that's a very good point, brother. That's a very yeah. good point. <laughs> and the the other one because it's Tongkat Ali, right? So the the character Cynthia doesn't take it, so it looks a lot less likely to be happy. Hmm. Yeah. True. Mm. True. Yeah. Cynthia was very. Oh my goodness! Very, very tough. Um, very, very tough. But you know, that's a character. That's the role, and she. I really hate her, which is a testament to Amelia's performance in the film. So. Yeah. <laughs> it worked, right? It was very work. Yeah, it was very effective for sure. Um. Yeah, I think you know what I think we've covered everything, have we? Yeah. Yeah, I think we've well, gone through. What do you think about Johan's motivation uh, in in learning about life? Right. At the same time, do you think uh, this particular scene where he forgot to take his wife? Right. At the same time, his wife cried and everything like that. Mm. But it still it still doesn't move. Right. Still skate around the night. Where, uh, sneak out at 12 12 a.m. and sneak out and went to skate. But after the incident where Joe met Ali's dad, played by Mr. Mutalib, right? And by that time, it seems like the breaking point of Joe started to feel like, all right, this is the time I should change. So his character arc 
actually for me in my opinion start to start to change towards the realistic of life more on after he met Mr. Mutalib character mm. the only thing the motivation is not about the family or the baby it's more about the skateboard and his passion what do you think about it? I think it's about balance so so yeah. in the beginning it's, it's, it's like a character who quite frankly Johan in the beginning is very subservient um, in, in, in the sense that much like, um always prioritizing other people other than himself and even mm, uh, Katijah yeah. the wife pointed it out but then there's there are parts in the film where the pendulum swings the other way so he starts to prioritize himself maybe a bit more than than he really should have done but it's it's, it's about finding that balance and and this is again coming back to what i understand of life as well i think that's a very realistic in a way because we are always finding that balance you know um and I think in that regard, I, that's the thing. I mean, you, you watch the film, maybe for you, you look at it and you think, memang gila juga. Sebenarnya kan, tengah malam buta, you're going to meet up with a 17-year-old kid to play skateboard. Yeah. Macam, memang, <laughs> if you look at it that way, then yeah. then then yes, um, I, I would agree that it is a little strange. But yeah. at the same time, in the context of the story, it also occurred at a time when he is trying to find that balance between doing things for others and doing things for himself and it is not something that he gets right initially um so so there is that progression uh, eventually there is that character development apa semua tu so i understand why the scene is there lah macam inilah there's a reason for it if, if you want to look at it that way you know others like you maybe you will say it's a bit strange but i will say that it's strange but i think Again, I don't know for sure, ladies and gentlemen, but I think that's the reason why it's there. You know, there, there's a purpose, and and I think it's very deliberately done by Kai uh, in that way. <laughs> I think he's more motivated by the skateboard man than the baby. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I mean, having a kid is not easy. <laughs> <It's> yeah, just... <laughs> you, you have experience, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's. Is a lot of work. Um, so especially for people who don't know what it's like, um, getting into that phase can be, can be scary. It can be um, intimidating. You know, you ask a lot of questions of yourself and whatnot. Uh, and even I myself, even now, I'm trying to find that balance. Um, so so you know, we we always do our best and, and what we can. But coming back to the film, I think that has to be borne in mind as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's all good, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I think we're all good for today as well, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah, we've covered everything we want to cover. Uh, Hafiz, any more for any more? Are we good? Mm, we're good. I think we talk. I think we cover everything. Yes, indeed. Um, so yeah, thank you very much, uh, Hafiz, for your time and and for your insight, especially about the skateboarding culture and all that. That was really good. Thanks for inviting me. No problems whatsoever. And thank you as well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, for having tuned into our episode today, whenever and wherever you may be in the world. My name is Fikri. Um, say goodbye, Hafiz. Okay, goodbye and take care. Stay safe. Yes, uh, stay safe and it's a goodbye from me as well. Um, see ya. Everything is okay. I just want to play. Unplug for the day.